Hi guys, my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here at HTBB. And I'm also part of HTBB Youth. So if you're a teenager, or you know a teenager, or you have a teenager, we would love to host them at our 11.30 a.m. youth service. Beginning this week, we are starting a two-week series called This Is How I Fight My Battles. And if you are a follower of Jesus or not, we are all in some form of battle. Let it be battle with moral choices, battle with addiction, battle with anger, battle with people. And the outcome of these battles normally forces us to make one of these two decisions, godly decisions or ungodly decisions. Let's be real. Some of this battle, we never seem to be able to make godly decisions. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 7 where he says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. I wonder if you can relate to Paul. I know I do. There are battles in some areas which seems almost impossible to overcome. And it messes me up. It makes me feel guilty. And I sometimes wonder if the words of Jesus in John 10, 10, where he says, I've come to give you life and life to the full, even makes sense. Because sometimes when I come into his presence, I'm confronted by guilt and shame. Because I fall short too in all that he's calling me to. Do you feel the same? Do you feel that there are just some temptations which is difficult for you to say no to? Even though you know it's wrong. And as we are faced with all of this, what do we do? How do we overcome it as followers of Jesus? And this is the hope and message that I would like to leave with all of you today. That God is able and He's enabled us. So let's dive in into our scripture for today. We are going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6. Now, Ephesians is known as the Switzerland of the New Testament. It contains such theological richness about Christ in me. And in chapter 6, uh, Paul writes some helpful tools on how we can stand our ground against the scheme of the enemy in our battles. So as we read, I'll be establishing four principles before looking into the first three functions of the armor of God. And then Abel will continue part two in the remaining three. So Ephesians chapter 6, beginning verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Principle number one, we rely on God's mighty power to fight our battles. In our own strength, we can never be victorious over our battles. In fact, no human has found success in living the perfect Christian life, except one man. He was so good at it that they even named it after him. Jesus Christ. And for those who have decided to follow Jesus, he lives in us. And I heard it once said it in this way, that God has placed the one who can live the Christian life, which is Jesus, inside the one who can't live the Christian life, which is me and you, so that the one who can't live the Christian life can live the Christian life through the one who can live the Christian life. Okay, that's a bit confusing. But in short, God is able and He's enabled us. And we rely on His mighty power to do that. Let's continue on with verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world 
and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take a stand on your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Second principle is put on the full armor of God. Not parts of it. Putting on parts of it is like going into a battle half ready or half prepared. It just won't work. Now, this is imperative because Paul writes it twice. In verse 11, he says, put on the full armor of God. And in verse 13, he repeats, therefore, put on the full armor of God. And we are going to have a look at that later. But it also says the armor of God, not our armor, but God's armor. I remember when I was a kid, my dad won a remote control car from this golf competition. And he gave it to me and he told me, hey, there's this competition race that's happening in his workplace and it's for kids. Uh, you should sign up. It'll be fun. So I was like, sure, why not? So the day of the competition arrived and I was shocked because I was just looking around. There were so many cars and all these cars were modified. Like one car even had like a gas tank on top of it, like on a remote control car. And I was so scared that I didn't want to be humiliated. Uh, so... In the many cars, we race laps after laps and I surprisingly finished the tournament in second place. I couldn't figure out why. People were confused when they looked at my car. They kept coming to my car and like, so tell us what do you do with it? It's like, um, change the batteries? Uh, that's it. And one guy took my car, he flipped it over. He was like, ah, no wonder you have been winning the races. This is a high powered car. And then I compared my car with the others and it was definitely much stronger than the others. And that, my friend, is the armor of God. It's the most high-powered weapon that guarantees victory when we use it. It's not based on the amount of years or experience that we have being a Christian or winning battles. Because one thing that I know from experience, in my own strength, it's almost impossible to win some of these battles. But God is able and He has enabled us today. Put on the full armor of God. Third principle, stand your ground. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's scheme. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. Three times, Paul writes the word stand. Now, in war, you normally march forward when you want to gain territory, but you stand when you're already on a victory ground. When Jesus died for us on the cross and resurrected, He defeated all evil. And for those who have chosen to put our faith in Jesus, Ephesians 2 says that God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realm in Christ Jesus. That's where we are and it's a ground of victory. In this ground, you've got access to joy, love, peace, eternal forgiveness, victory over sin, and eternal death. So what the enemy wants to do now is to try to steal, kill, and destroy all that we have. So remember, when we are fighting our battles, we are not fighting for a place of victory. We are fighting from a place of victory. We've got the home ground advantage because we are standing on the soil of victory. Fourth principle, the battle is not against flesh and blood. We are not fighting against people. How many times have we engaged in battle with people? I sometimes do that all the time. Not, lit not literally, but in my mind, like a lot. I find myself 
often arguing with people in my head, judging them, thinking how they have evil motives or thinking how far they have fall short of good standards. In the words of Eleanor from Crazy Rich Asian, you will never be enough. We choose to engage in unhealthy battle with people. And here in scripture, he says that our battle is not with flesh and blood, i.e. people. That's why Christ says, love your enemies, love your neighbors. And these are all reference to people because the real battle is not against people, but against the rulers, against authorities, and the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Now, we are going to have a look at this a little bit more. So in summary, these principles, really, we rely on God's power putting on his armor, standing on ground of victory, which Christ has given to us and not using that to fight people because Jesus came to die for people and defeat evil. And that's who we are up against. So let's look at the first three armor of God today. Verse 14, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckle around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Armor number one, belt of truth. Buckle around your waist. Now, the belt in the Roman armory had girdles, which is a band that encircles the waist to confine loose flowing outer garment to allow freedom in movement. Now, there's a verse in scripture that says that the truth will set you free. The truth will allow you to move and live life and life to the full in the way that God intended for you to live. One of the definitions of truth in the original language here, it says truth in the moral sphere. Now, during the time in ancient Ephesus, there were practices of witchcrafts and magic and people were tossed and swayed into all this ideology. And that's why Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. And you know what? Nothing much has changed today. There are so many teachings and moral understanding on what's right and what's wrong, what is acceptable and what's not. Hence why we need the truth even more today to be our moral compass. But having the truth alone doesn't set you free. Only the application of truth sets you free. For the Roman army, having the belt doesn't provide freedom to move, but applying the belt on their wave provides freedom. Before I decided to follow Jesus when I was 19, I was a professional liar. I find myself not being truthful often to get away with from troubles or to get someone's approval. I felt that I've told so much of stories to others about the person that I'm not until I don't even know the person that I am. When I followed Jesus, one of the first things that the Holy Spirit convicted me was about being truthful. Should mean scripture about telling the truth. And I remember when I found myself in a situation where I was about to get in trouble and I tried telling the truth, which is something not normal for me in those circumstances. And as soon as I speak the truth out, there was just something freeing in that experience. And as the lies started to disappear, I felt that I was so much more free in just being myself, in relating to others, and know that they know the real me. The truth sets you free. And also applying the truth that Jesus commanded also 
allows you to live life and life to the full. Yes, pursuing the application of some of the words of Jesus here is not easy, but God is able and He has enabled us. The second piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the breastplate is an armor designed really to protect the heart area because one arrow or one sword in here and when we sin and lose in our personal battles, we often find our hearts discouraged, guilty and ashamed. You know, research has proven that shame is highly connected to addiction. That's exactly where the enemy wants you to be because he knows that if he can keep you in that state, you ultimately abandon your walk with God and abandon the calling that God has placed on your life. You know, in scripture, we see Peter who denied Jesus and he felt ashamed and guilty. None of the other disciples knew that Peter denied Jesus three times. So much so, Peter felt so guilty that he decided to abandon his calling. Uh, one theologian says one of the saddest, saddest stories in the New Testament is when Peter went fishing. You know, sometimes for me in seasons like that is usually when I try to avoid coming to church or say no to serving because I feel so guilty and undeserving. So Paul writes, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness means right standing with God. If you receive Jesus into your heart, your past, present and future sins are forgiven. You have right standing with God and we can come boldly and approach His throne of grace. Scripture, scripture says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And sometimes in seasons like that, I find it just helpful to do this daily, to just place my hand on my heart and just say these words, you are so loved. You are forgiven. You are the righteousness of God. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. His mercies are new every day. His grace is sufficient for you. And then I confess my sins and just receive His grace. Scripture says, if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive. That's when I get back up and stand. I can't get back up on my own strength, but God is able and He's enabled us today. Third armor that, and the last piece of armor that we, we will be looking at today is in verse 15 where it says, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, the Roman war shoe or sandals are hot nailed sandals. And in war, the Romans believed that if they were to bury their sandals into the ground and stand tucked in shoulder to shoulder with each other in a formation, no nation on earth is able to topple them. And so Paul writes that we should be grounded in the gospel of peace. Now, you see, the word gospel in the New Testament is sometimes associated with another word. You will hear the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the grace of God, and the gospel of peace. So what does this mean? Now, let's first define gospel. Gospel means good news. I'm not sure if you remember the days where there was the good news Bible. It was one of my first Bible that I had when I was young. And it was like this thick blue color Bible. I carried it to Sunday school and I like flip it open and read the book of Leviticus. And I'm like, where's the good news? 
Well, the good news is that God so loved us that He came and paid the penalty of our sin by dying on the cross so that we are forgiven and we have this peace relationship with God and get to spend eternity with Him in heaven. That's the good news. And the gospel of peace points to a specific angle of the gospel, which is peace, peace with God. Because of this peace and reconciliation with God, now Paul writes that we are given the ministry of reconciliation, which is to reconcile the world who are people, our neighbors, our friends, our colleagues, our family members to God so that there is peace between mankind and God. But how can we reconcile people to God if we are salty to them? If we can't reconcile with people ourselves? I think when Paul wrote about the armor of God, I think one of the angles that he was emphasizing is relationship. Now, why do I say that? If you look at towards the end of Ephesians 5, Paul writes about, talks about relationship in the context of marriage. And then he begins Ephesians 6, talking about relationship with parents and child and relationship in the workplace. And then when he wrote the part which we just read earlier, it starts by saying the battle is not against flesh and blood. But how many times do you find ourselves constantly complaining or arguing with a family member or working colleague or a friend? And we sometimes tend to treat them in a way that we shouldn't as followers of Jesus. Now, in every division there is on earth, there is a power that is underplaying under all of this. And it's not of God because God is one that brings unity. It's the reason He died on the cross to reunite mankind back to Him. Before He went to the cross in Gethsemane, He prayed that all His disciples will be together as one. And Scripture also says that whenever there is unity, the Lord commands blessing. But there is an enemy that is here to steal, kill, and destroy relationship. And that's who we are fighting against. Remember, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Now, this doesn't mean that there isn't challenge with people or there isn't bad people, but there is a greater enemy that has the power to influence people into doing bad. One of the names that's given to the devil is the tempter because the devil wants to influence you and me to make poor decisions, ungodly decisions that will ultimately hurt us and hurt others. So we defeat the devil by winning people over not fighting against them. So how do we treat difficult and unkind people to keep peace with them? Well, Jesus says, love your neighbors, love your enemies, repay evil with good. I think it's appropriate that this is the armor in the sandals because everywhere we go, we are called to love people. Now, the next time you see a difficult person, drop them a compliment, treat them to a meal. Do good to your enemies. Love your enemies because our response to people is not based on how they treat us. It's based on what Christ has done for us. That's why we are rooted in the gospel of peace. He showed us love. He showed us mercy. He forgave us. He showed us kindness. He blessed us. And so my response to anyone who comes in contact to me, good or bad, is to love them, to show them mercy, to forgive them, show them kindness because I am rooted in the gospel of peace. I'm rooted in what Christ did for me, not how people treat me. Yes, this is difficult in our own strength, but God is able. He even modeled that on the journey to the cross. And today, He's enabled us. 
Now, I'm going to close with these three practical steps in how we can fight our battles with the armor of God. Number one, be intentional. Write down your battles that you're dealing with in, the mo- in this moment or in this season. Bring it before the Lord and say, God, I can't win this battle. I need your help. When, uh, when Paul writes, put on the full armor of God, that's being intentional. So that's number one. Number two, once you've done that, scripture. Find truth in the Bible that speaks and ministers to your battle. There is power in the word of God. Jesus quoted scripture when he was tempted uh, in the wilderness. Memorize them. Put them on post-it notes on your wall and put them into action. Here are some suggestions if you are in battle with addiction. John 8, 36. If you're in battle with lust, Philippians 4, 8. If you're in battle with people, Mark 12, 30 to 31. If you're battling with guilt and shame, Romans 8, 1. Don't just memorize them. Put them into practice because only when we have the belt of truth put into practice, that's when we experience freedom. Third one, community. The armor of God described by Paul had one weakness. It didn't have a back armor. And I think this was intentional because we need one another to fight these battles. Someone can come alongside us and look after our back. Just like the Roman army who would stand shoulder to shoulder in a formation to fight and stand their ground against the enemy. Now, this is not because God isn't enough, but He created us for community. I do believe that the solution of every problem begins and ends with the person Jesus. But in between, their doctors, their therapists, their wise counsel, accountability partner, family, that God uses to bring about freedom to us. Now imagine what it will be like if all of us were to put on the full armor of God in our battles. How different would our lives be in our intimacy with God and our relationship with people? Us, followers of Jesus, walking around triumphantly, living life and life to the full and being loving to everyone regardless of how they treat us. And I think of the youth here in HTBB. How would that impact their faith when they see us grow in love and dependency on Jesus, treating one another in love? And I think of the posture of our life. How would it cause our friends who do not know Jesus to wonder, hey, What is it about this person who seems to be living life and life to the full, treating people differently from others? Well, then we can testify that it was all Jesus. He changed our lives and He can change their life as well. And if you're listening to this and you do not know Jesus and you want to experience victory over your battles and the life of freedom from all forms of struggle and addiction, you can receive Him into your heart today. All you need to do is just repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sin. I'm sorry for all the wrongs that I've done. I invite you into my heart today to be my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Man, hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to get you plugged into our community. You can click the request prayer button and one of our online pastors will show you the next steps. And for the rest of us, why don't we just take this time to just wait on the Holy Spirit? 
one of the role of the Holy Spirit is to be our helper in uh, our battles. So why don't you stand with me if you're comfortable and open up your hands and I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit. So we say right now, come Holy Spirit. Would you fill us once again, Lord. 